Now, lords, if God doth give successful end to this debate that bleedeth at our doors, we will our youth lead on to higher fields and draw no swords but what are sanctified. Our navy is addressed, our power collected, our substitutes in absence well invested, and everything lies level to our wish. Only we want a little personal strength and pause us till these rebels now afoot come underneath the yoke of government. Both which we doubt not, but your majesty shall soon enjoy. Humphrey, my son of Gloucester, where is the prince your brother? I think he's gone to hunt, my lord, at Windsor. And how accompanied? I do not know, my lord. Is not his brother Thomas of Clarence with him? No, my good lord, he is in presence here. What would my lord and father? Nothing but well to thee, Thomas of Clarence. How chance thou art not with the prince thy brother? He loves thee, and thou dost neglect him, Thomas. Thou hast a better place in his affection than all thy brothers. Cherish it, my boy, and noble offices thou mayst effect of mediation after I am dead, between his greatness and thy other brethren. Therefore, omit him not, blunt not his love, nor lose the good advantage of his grace by seeming cold or careless of his will. For he is gracious, if he be observed. He hath a tear for pity, and a hand open as day for meeting charity. Yet, notwithstanding, being incensed, he's flint, as humorous as winter, and as sudden as flaws congealed in the spring of day. His temper, therefore, must be well observed. Chide him for faults, and do it reverently, when you perceive his blood inclined to mirth. But being moody, give him time and scope till that his passions, like a whale on ground, confound themselves with working. Learn this, Thomas, and thou shalt prove a shelter to thy friends, a hoop of gold to bind thy brothers in, that the united vessel of their blood, mingled with venom of suggestion, as force per force the age will pour it in, shall never leak, though it to work as strong as aconitum or rash gunpowder. I shall observe him with all care and love. Why art thou not at Windsor with him, Thomas? He is not here today. He dines in London. And how accompanied? Canst thou tell that? With Poins and others, his continual followers. Most subject is the fattest soil to weeds. And he, the noble image of my youth, is overspread with them. Therefore my grief stretches itself beyond the hour of death. The blood weeps from my heart when I do shape in forms imaginary the unguided days and rotten times that you shall look upon when I am sleeping with my ancestors. For when headstrong riot hath no curb, when rage and hot blood are his counselors, 
when means and lavish manners meet together. Oh, with what wings shall his affections fly towards fronting peril and opposed decay? My gracious lord, you look beyond him quite. The prince but studies his companions like a strange tongue wherein to gain the language. Tis needful that the most immodest word be looked upon and learnt, which once attained, your highness knows, comes to no further use but to be known and hated. So, like gross terms, the prince will, in the perfectness of time, cast off his followers and their memory, shall as a pattern or a measure live by which his grace must meet the lives of other, turning past evils to advantages. Tis seldom when the bee doth leave her comb in the dead carrion. Who's here? Westmoreland. Help to my sovereign, and new happiness added to that that I am to deliver. Prince John, your son, doth kiss your grace's hand. Mowbray, the bishop, Scroop, Hastings, and all are brought to the correction of your law. There is not now a rebel's sword unsheathed, but peace puts forth her olive everywhere. The manner how this action hath been borne here at more leisure may your highness read with every course in his particular. Oh, Westmoreland, thou art a summer bird, which ever in the haunch of winter sings the lifting up of day. Look, here's more news. From enemies, heavens keep your majesty. And when they stand against you, may they fall as those I am come to tell you of. The Earl Northumberland and the Lord Bardolph, with a great power of English and of Scots, are by the Sheriff of Yorkshire overthrown. The manner and true order of the fight, this packet pleaseth you, contains at large. And wherefore should these good news make me sick? Will fortune never come with both hands full, but set her fair words still in foulest terms? She either gives a stomach and no food, such are the poor in health, or else a feast and takes away the stomach. Such are the rich that have abundance and enjoy it not. I should rejoice now at this happy news, and now my sight fails, and my brain is giddy. Oh me, come near me now, I am much ill. Comfort your majesty. Oh my royal father. A sovereign lord, cheer up yourself, look up. Be patient, princes, you do know these fits are with his highness very ordinary. Stand from him, give him air, he'll straight be well. No, no, he cannot long hold out these pangs. The incessant care and labor of his mind hath wrought the mure and should confine it in so thin that life looks through and will break out. The people fear me, for they do observe unfathered airs and loathly births of nature. The seasons change their manners, as the year had found some months asleep and leaped them over. The river hath thrice flowed, no ebb between. And the old folk, times doting chronicles, say it did so a little time before that our great-grandsire Edward sicked and died. Speak lower, princes, for the king recovers. His apoplexy will certain be his end. <coughs> I pray you. Take me up and bear me hence into some other chamber. Softly pray. 
Let there be no noise made, my gentle friends, unless some dull and favorable hand will whisper music to my weary spirit. Call for the music in the other room. Set me the crown upon my pillow here. His eye is hollow, and he changes much. Less noise, less noise. Who saw the Duke of Clarence? I am here, brother, full of heaviness. How now, reign within doors and none abroad? How doth the king? Exceeding ill. Heard he the good news yet? Tell it him. He altered much upon hearing it. If he be sick with joy, he'll recover without physic. Not so much noise, my lords. Sweet prince, speak low. The king your father is disposed to sleep. Let us withdraw into the other room. Will it please your grace to go along with us? No. I will sit and watch here by the king. Why doth the crown lie there upon his pillow, being so troublesome a bedfellow? O oh, polished perturbation, golden care that keepest the ports of slumber open wide to many a watchful night. Sleep with it now, yet not so sound and half so deeply sweet as he whose brow with homely biggin bound snores out the watch of night. O oh, majesty! When thou dost pinch thy bearer, thou dost sit like a rich armor worn in heat of day that scaldst with safety. By his gates of breath there lies a downy feather which stirs not. Did he suspire that light and weightless down perforce must move? My gracious lord, my father! The sleep is sound indeed. This is a sleep that from this golden wriggle hath divorced so many English kings. Thy due from me is tears and heavy sorrows of the blood, which nature, love, and filial tenderness shall, O oh dear father, pay thee plenteously. My due from thee is this imperial crown, which as immediate from thy place and blood derives itself to me, lo, where it sits, which God shall guard and put the whole world's strength into one giant arm. It shall not force this lineal honor from me, this from thee will I to mine leave as tis left to me. Warwick, Gloucester, Clarence. Doth the king call? What would your majesty? Why did you leave me here alone, my lords? We left the prince, my brother here, my liege, who undertook to sit and watch by you. The prince of Wales? Where is he? Let me see him. He is not here. The door is open. He is gone this way. He came not through the chamber where we stayed. Where is the crown? Who took it from my pillow? When we withdrew, my liege, we left it here. The prince hath ta'en it hence. Go, seek him out. Is he so hasty that he doth suppose my sleep my death? Find him, my lord of Warwick. Chide him hither. This part of his 
conjoins with my disease and helps to end me. See, sons, what things you are. How quickly nature falls into revolt when gold becomes her object. For this, the foolish, over-careful fathers have broke their sleep with thoughts, their brains with care, their bones with industry. For this, they have engrossed and piled up the cankered heaps of strange achieved gold. For this, they have been thoughtful to invest their sons with arts and martial exercises. When, like the bee, tolling from every flower, our thighs packed with wax, our mouths with honey, we bring it to the hive, and like the bees, are murdered for our pains. This bitter taste yields his engrossments to the ending father. Now, where is he that will not stay so long till his friend's sickness hath determined me? My lord, I found the prince in the next room, washing with kindly tears his gentle cheeks, with such a deep demeanor and great sorrow that tyranny, which never quaffed but blood, would, by beholding him, have washed his knife with gentle eye drops. He is coming hither. But wherefore did he take away the crown? Lo, where he comes. Come hither to me, Harry. Depart the chamber. Leave us here alone. I never thought to hear you speak again. Thy wish was father, Harry, to that thought. I stay too long by thee. I weary thee. Dost thou so hunger for mine empty chair, that thou wilt needs invest thee with my honors before thy hour be ripe? O oh, foolish youth, thou seek'st the greatness that will overwhelm thee. Stay but a little, for my cloud of dignity is held from falling with so weak a wind that it will quickly drop. My day is dim. Thou hast stolen that, which after some few hours were thine without offense, and at my death thou hast sealed up my expectation. Thy life did manifest thou lovest me not, and thou wilt have me die assured of it. Thou hidest a thousand daggers in thy thoughts, which thou hast whetted on thy stony heart to stab at half an hour of my life. What, canst thou not forbear me half an hour? Then get thee gone and dig my grave thyself, and bid the merry bells ring to thine ear that thou art crowned, not that I am dead. Let all the tears that should be due my hearse be drops of balm to sanctify thy head. Only compound me with forgotten dust. Give that which gave thee life unto the worms. Pluck down my officers, break my decrees. For now a time is come to mock at form. Harry the fifth is crowned. <coughs> Up vanity, down royal state. All you sage counsellors, hence, and to the English court assemble now from every region, apes of idleness. Now, 
neighbor confines, purge you of your scum. Have you a ruffian that will swear, drink, dance, revel the night, rob, murder, and commit the oldest sins, the newest kind of ways? Be happy, he will trouble you no more. England shall double guilt his treble guilt. England shall give him office, honor, might. For the fifth Harry from curbed license plucks the muzzle of restraint, and the wild dog shall flesh his tooth on every innocent. Oh, my poor kingdom, sick with civil blows, when that my care could not withhold thy riots, what wilt thou do when riot is thy care? Oh, thou wilt be a wilderness again, peopled with wolves, thy old inhabitants. Oh, pardon me, my liege, but for my tears, the moist impediments unto my speech, I had forestalled this dear and deep rebuke, ere you with grief had spoke and I had heard the course of it so far. There is your crown, and he that wears the crown immortally, long guard it yours. If I affect it more than as your honor and as your renown, let me no more from this obedience rise, which my most inward true and duteous spirit teacheth this prostrate and exterior bending. God witness with me. When I here came in and found no course of breath within your majesty, how cold it struck my heart. If I do feign, oh, let me in my present wildness die and never live to show the incredulous world the noble change that I have purposed coming to look on you, thinking you dead and dead almost, my liege, to think you were. I spake unto this crown as having sense and thus upbraided it. The care on thee depending hath fed upon the body of my father. Therefore thou best of gold art worse of gold. Other less fine carrot is more precious, preserving life in medicine potable. But thou, most fine, most honored, most renowned, hast eat thy bearer up thus my most royal liege accusing it i put it on my head to try with it as with an enemy that had before my face murdered my father the quarrel of a true inheritor but if it did infect my blood with joy or swell my thoughts to any strain of pride if any rebel or vain spirit of mine did with the least affection of a welcome give entertainment to the might of it, let God forever keep it from my head, and make me as the poorest vassal is that doth with awe and terror kneel to it. God put it in thy mind to take it hence that thou mightst win the more thy father's love, pleading so wisely in excuse of it. Come hither, Harry, sit thou by my bed, and here I think the very latest counsel that ever I shall breathe. God knows, my son, by what bypaths and indirect crooked ways 
I met this crown, and I myself know well how troublesome it sat upon my head. To thee it shall descend with better quiet, better opinion, better confirmation, for all the soil of the achievement goes with me into the earth. It seemed in me but as an honor snatched with boisterous hand, and I had many living to upbraid my gain of it by their assistances, which daily grew to quarrel and to bloodshed, wounding supposed peace. All these bold fears thou seest with peril I have answered, but all my reign hath been but as a scene acting that argument, and now my death changes the mood. For what in me was purchased falls upon thee in a more fairer sort, so thou the garland wearest successively. Yet though thou stand'st more sure than I could do, Thou art not firm enough, since griefs are green, and all thy friends, which thou must make thy friends, have but their stings and teeth newly ta'en out, by whose fell working I was first advanced, and by whose power I well might lodge a fear to be again displaced, which, to avoid, I cut them off and had a purpose now to lead out many to the Holy Land, lest rest and lying still might make them look too near unto my state. Therefore, my Harry, be it thy course to busy giddy minds with foreign quarrels, that action, hence borne out, may waste the memory of the former days, more would I, but my lungs are wasted so, that strength of speech is utterly denied me. How I came by the crown, O oh God forgive, and grant it may with thee in true peace live. You won it, wore it, kept it, gave it me. Then plain and right must my possession be, Which I with more than with a common pain Gainst all the world will rightfully maintain. Look, look, here comes my John of Lancaster. Health, peace, and happiness to my royal father. Thou bringst me happiness and peace, son John, But health, alack, with youthful wings is flown from this bare-withered trunk. Upon thy sight my worldly business makes a period. Where is my lord of Warwick? My lord of Warwick! Doth any name particular belong unto the lodging where I first did swoon? Tis called Jerusalem, my noble lord. <laughs> lord be to God! Even there my life must end. It hath been prophesied to me many years. I should not die, but in Jerusalem, which vainly I suppose the holy land. But bear me to that chamber. There I'll lie. In that Jerusalem 
shall Harry die? <laughs>